Check, check, check. Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. We're just so uh, thankful to be gathered today before you, just worshiping you today as a body. And we just ask that you bless this day, that you are glorified all over the world on this awesome Sunday, Lord. Please keep us safe as we go away from this place later. We love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go up to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Ella did such a good job. Thank you for reading us the story of uh, the wise men, we all know it very well. Matthew chapter 2 is really where we find that story. So here's what I want you to do real briefly. I want you to tell the person next to you, uh, if you're online, tell the, you know, your family, if you're outside, tell the person next to you real quick, what was your favorite gift or one of your favorite gifts that you received this, the, uh, this Christmas? So real quick, tell the person next to you, what was your favorite gift that you received this Christmas? All right, I'll give you a couple more seconds. Well, my name is Walker Riley. I'm the middle school director here at Trinity Church. Uh, normally, I'm here, I'm, you know, over with the middle schoolers teaching during second hour, and I would normally a a ask a question like that, and then normally I would get a couple of responses about, like, hey, you know, what did, what did you say? What was your fa favorite gift? I'd probably have a sassy eighth grade boy or a sixth grade boy give me a sassy answer in the top right. Like a sixth grade girl give me a really honest answer. And every once in a while I would get one student that would be like, you know what? I think Jesus was the best gift that I got this Christmas. And I'd just be like, yes, that's what I was looking for. Because um, it's, it's the cheesy classic answer. Jesus truly is the best gift that we have received this Christmas, and that's what we're gonna see in our passage in Matthew chapter two. We are gonna see that Jesus truly is the best gift, he's the best king, and he is deserving of our worship. So as we reread through this passage in Matthew, I want you to be paying attention to the emotions and responses of the different characters. We're gonna be introduced to a couple different characters, different groups of people, and I want you to be listening for their emotions, their responses towards uh, King Jesus, King baby Jesus, as we read. We're in Matthew uh, chapter one. I'm gonna read through, or Matthew chapter two, my bad, uh, through verse three. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in, uh, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. So we're in Matthew. Matthew, we believe, was written by uh, Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, the tax collector. And he mainly wrote Matthew to convince people, to show people that Jesus had the legal right to be king that he had that legal authority. That's why he starts off in chapter one with that genealogy from not Mary, but his legal father, Joseph, all the way back through Abraham, through David, to show Jesus has the legal right to be king, to be king of the Jews, because he is directly related, he is a direct descendant of David. And then he follows that up in this awesome chapter two, at his birth, he's being honored as a king to reinforce that idea that Jesus has the legal right to be king. 
So he starts off, he says, magi from the east. Now, these wise men were just that. They were wise men. They weren't necessarily kings, um, but they were probably wise men from the east who would have studied astronomy, probably even astrology. They would have been pretty familiar with the mathematics, the scientists. They would have been counselors to their rulers. So they truly were wise men, uh, and they probably had some understanding of Jewish scripture. That's why it seems that they seem to know who Jesus is, and they want to come worship him Uh, we know uh, that he is king of the Jews and that he is worth searching for, and I think they knew that too. We don't know how long their journey was. We don't know exactly where they came from, but they obviously searched hard for the king, for King Jesus, and I think, man, that just shows Jesus truly is worth searching for, worth getting to know. Obviously, Herod didn't want this Jewish king to come. He says that in verse 3. He says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod was obviously feeling threatened. We hear that in our little Bible story, that he was a jealous king. Rome recognized Herod kind of as a vassal king. They knew, hey, if we try to rule these people, they're not necessarily going to want to listen to us, so let's have Herod be a vassal king for us of these people. And he was known just to be a very, very brutal, a brutal king. I think it was said it was safer to be one of Herod's uh, pigs than his son because he was just, he was known to even assassinate family members that he assumed to be disloyal. So he was a very brutal king, which I think makes sense. We're listening for the emotions of different people and responses to Jesus. What's Herod's? He was troubled. And it says Jerusalem was troubled with him. I think it makes, makes sense if we know Herod is a brutal king, that if you're Jerusalem and you're hearing there's another king around, you'd probably be worried about what your king's response is going to be. We know later on, if you look in verse 16, Herod's going to try to kill every baby boy too and younger, so we know that Jerusalem's fears we're not uh, invalid. So the first emotions that we see is, is they're both troubled and, and Herod kind of resulting in anger in Jerusalem may be a root of, of, of fear. But what's Herod's response? We're in verse 4. It says this. We're going to be reading all the way through verse 8, so bear with me. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. <clears throat> in Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. But as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship Herod. So we obviously know that Herod isn't genuinely asking, hey, where is this king? I want to worship him. We know, like I said in verse 16, his plan is to kill this baby Jesus so that way he doesn't have to compete for this throne. He's worried about Jesus coming onto the scene. That passage, if you're taking notes in your Bible or underlining, you can underline that passage, verse 6. That's Micah chapter 5 of verse 2 that these chief priests, teachers of the law, are quoting from that prophesies this ruler coming out of Bethlehem. But again, we're paying attention to the emotions of the people in this passage, and I find it interesting that we have these chief priests and teacher of the law, and there's no emotion. There's just simply no response. Matthew doesn't give us any insight into how they are feeling about King Jesus, but it amazes me that the people who know the most about Scripture, the people that had it memorized, the people that were supposed to be teaching the Word of God were the people that completely missed Jesus when he was right in front of them. We have these wise men saying, hey, we followed the star. Where's Bethlehem? We want to find the king. And then they're quote Micah saying, 
oh, the king's supposed to come out of Bethlehem, and they just seem indifferent. That would be the emotion that I see from the chief priests and teachers of the law is simply indifference. They just didn't seem interested. Verse 9, after they, the, the magi, after they heard the king, they went on their way, uh, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I think the way the star kind of seems to appear and reappear, which would show me that this is something supernatural that's happening. Maybe not, but it just seems that the way this star reappears, leads them, and then stops over the house shows me that this is something supernatural, that God is performing a miracle with the star. But pay attention to verse 10 and 11. These are going to be, I think, really just the key, really awesome passages of Matthew chapter 2. It says this. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <sighs> I love that passage. You have these wise men who have been searching for Jesus, searching for this king of Bethlehem. And then we come upon this house. Again, it's not necessarily, it's not a barn, so it would show us, that, okay, they're probably not actually coming to Jesus on the night he was born, probably anywhere between a couple months to a couple years actually after Jesus was born. They come to this house, and what's their emotion? What's their response? They are overjoyed. They are, I mean, the ESV, a couple passages, makes, or versions just make it so clear that they're just abounding with this joyfulness to be before the king. And their response is, man, they can't do anything but bow before him and worship him. We don't really have time to get into the gifts, but it really is cool to kind of see what these gifts represent. But I think the thing I want us to focus on is, one, their emotion, they're overjoyed, but also the fact that the way they're presenting these gifts to Jesus would be a way you would present gifts to a king. It's the customary way to honor a king. So we know if Matthew was writing this to show people Jesus has a legal right to the throne, and then you see, man, look at these wise men. It doesn't seem they honor Herod this way, but then they honor Jesus this way. Matthew was just reinforcing this idea. Jesus is the legal king. They honored him such as that king. And verse 12, uh, we'll finish with today, says this, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So again, that final verse just kind of shows that they were honoring God and Jesus more than they were honoring Herod. They understood, man, Herod is not the person who we need to honor, but it is King Jesus. And if I was reading this, man, I would be so encouraged saying, wow, Jesus, who was crucified, truly was king of the Jews, king of the world, the rightful ruler. So what were the emotions that we've gone through and that we've seen? Well, we first see, again, Herod, this troubledness, this anger. I don't know, maybe some of you have anger sometimes just in your heart, really just towards Jesus. Maybe when you think about Jesus, when you think about how could a good God let these things happen or let these things happen to me, and, and there's anger in our hearts towards Jesus, maybe some of us are fearful. Fearful, Lord, if, if I give my life to you, what does that mean I have to give up? Lord, if I give my life to you, what does that mean for my marriage? What does that mean for how I interact with my friends? Lord, what are the things I have to give up? I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of what that'll look like. Here's, here's my biggest fear is that some of us fall into indifference. That we come into this place and we worship Jesus and we're just kind of indifferent. 
I don't want to be that way, and I think I fall into that category a lot. Maybe some of you do, where if, you're, if you don't know the Lord and Savior, that's fine. If you're just like, hey, you know what, it's just not for me. It's just you do you, but I'm going to do my own thing. But my fear is for us as Christians that we fall into indifference. Because my prayer for all of us is that we would have the response of these wise men, that every time we are before the Lord, when we, when we encounter him in our word, when we encounter him in prayer, when we come into this church and worship with our community, that we would be so overjoyed to worship the king. We need to, as Christians. It's not really an option. We need to be overjoyed to worship him. Why? Because Jesus truly is the only king who is deserving of our worship. And the the Magi, these wise men, give us a great example of offering these gifts. And they're gifts of value. It's not empty gratitude. It's these valuable things. Jesus, I'm going to give you these gifts and honor you as king. But here's what I love. They're giving Jesus this gift. But Jesus is the gift, right? We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate gifts all the time. And the Magi are saying, here, Lord, we want to give you this thing. Jesus is that gift. Jesus offers all of us the gift of salvation. It's, it's this gift you did not earn. It's this gift you did not deserve, but it's the gift that he freely gave. So these magi give us an example, this awesome idea of, man, here are these gifts, and Jesus is saying, man, I am the gift to you. You don't owe me anything. Jesus loves us so much. He offers us this free gift of salvation. The only way, the easiest way we get to attain it is we just have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's this free gift. We don't have to, we don't have to give him gifts. All right, Lord, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you all these crazy things so that way maybe the good I do outweighs the bad I do. Nothing. He is the free gift. So we worship God. We serve God, not in hopes that he'll love us. He already loves us. He already died for us. That's done. We worship God out of thanks and out of gratitude. We worship God just simply as a thank you. So what is Matthew trying to communicate? I think this is kind of the big idea as we walk away from this place. Jesus is the long-awaited king who is deserving of our worship. Jesus is the long-awaited king who is deserving of our worship. And although it's not about the things we give, that doesn't determine our salvation, that doesn't determine, you know, how much God loves us, we should still give to our king. We should still honor him as a king. And so taking an example of the Magi, here's what I want our response to be today. Um, As I wrap up, these Magi brought gifts. As you walked in here today, uh, you were given a little little card. Uh, And Ben, you guys can slowly make your way up if you want. Um, you were given this, this little card, and you got a pen on the back seat, on the seat right behind you. I want you to write it down on that little piece of paper. If you're outside, it should be kind of in the back where you'd pick up notes. If you're, on, if you're online, maybe just make a note in your phone. I want you to write down, Lord, what is my gift going to be to you this year? What is the thing, Lord, I can offer you? And you're going to keep this card. You're going to keep it for yourself. You're going to put it in your wallet. Uh, You're going to put it in your car. If it ends up in the trash, that's okay. Just hide it in your heart. Um, But I want you to write on this card the gift that you want to give God. Again, we started today kind of talking about what was your favorite gift that you received for Christmas. I want you to walk out of this 
thinking about what's the gift I'm going to give back to God. Again, not because he demands it, not, because, not so that way he loves you more, but out of gratitude for him sending his son to die for us. Maybe it's, Lord, I'm gonna give you my pride. I've been, I've been prideful, and I'm gonna, that's my gift. Or, Lord, I'm gonna give you my time. I'm, I'm gonna make time for my word. I'm gonna make time to pray, Lord, because that's my gift to you. I'm gonna, Lord, I'm gonna give you my marriage. I, I give that to you. You have control of it. Be the center of it. I don't know what that gift would be, but I want you to write down, just kind of as the song plays. If you didn't get a card, they're in the back, so please, as, this, as the song goes, just grab one of those cards and um, just seek the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to give to you this year? Because again, Jesus is the long-awaited king who is deserving of our worship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we can just gather together before you in worship. We love you. Father, we praise you. In your name, amen. Thank you.